How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's uh, Cardenas. Cardenas. That's all right. All right. You will be live in five, four, three, two, one. You are. everyone and welcome to Over the Rainbow Show with your host Bob Brown on Friday the 6th of March at 3pm Eastern Time, 12 o'clock Pacific Time and 8pm UK Time and to all the listeners from around the world you can go to Beacon of Light Radio chat on Facebook or you can Skype me at Beacon Light Radio. (coughs) We've got a fabulous guest today, Mark Cardenas. he runs a, a Midnight Paranormal Society. He began it um, all them years ago after his mom had a very bad experience. Uh, all will be told on the show today. Can we please welcome Mike to the show? Hello there, Mike. Hello, hello. Thank you again for having me uh, today. I'm, I'm very excited to share Mike's story and my experiences uh, and my what what started my journey into the paranormal. So thank you again. That's fine, my good friend. Uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to start out by um, can you tell me about what your mom about her experience in uh, in 1989? Okay, so what ended up happening was uh, we we're actually here in San Antonio, Texas, and so the apartment complex that we were living at, at the time. Um, one of my mother's friends who lived in the same apartment complex came over to our apartment and asked my mom if it was okay for her to host a birthday party in our apartment. So my mom said, okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll have it here in my apartment. Um, and my mom, she volunteered to start co- help cooking the food for the party. So while my mom was in the kitchen cooking uh, for the party, for the birthday party, um, me being a child – I was sitting in the living room on the sofa, and her, her friend came in with her with her children, and some other guests came to the to the apartment for the party. As I'm sitting there, one one of my mother's friends, uh, her son, who now has passed away, uh, but when he was alive at the time, he and his friend walked in holding this board. I had no idea what it was, and so I'm sitting there watching them talking about this game they're gonna play. Um, well, then I, I overhear him say. The Ouija board. And, of course, me being a little kid, I was oblivious to what that was. I had no idea, you know, you know what was about to happen. My mom, she's in the kitchen. She's cooking the food. It's very hot in the kitchen. She comes out to take a break, you know, to kind of gather hot kitchen. When she walks into the living room, she sees these two guys playing the Ouija board in our apartment. The first thing she does is she reacts by getting very upset. And she says, listen, you're not going to be playing that in my house. You know what? Party over. Everybody leave now. So everyone gets upset. You know, she says, no, you know, y'all didn't tell me you're going to be having that in my house. Get out now. So at that moment that she's escorting everybody out of the apartment, I had the urge to use the restroom. And try to imagine uh, the bedrooms in the apartment were on the second floor of the apartment complex. And the living room was in the bottom floor. So I started walking to the second floor. And I and at the bottom of the steps, there's a light switch that turns the light on in the, in the, in the stairway. I flipped the light on. I started walking up to the, the, the up the stairs to the go to the restroom upstairs. As I'm walking to uh, up the flight of stairs, when I get to the halfway point of the stairs, the light turns off. And, and, the, and the stairway by itself just cuts off. So I keep walking. When I get to the top of the flight of the stairs, uh, to the left is my room. To the right is my mother's room. When I look into my room, I had this really old vintage. Uh, it's like a desk chair combo. They're connected to each other. And I saw this 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 full-grown man 
sitting on the desk. He's there in the chair. And, and, and I, when I was a little kid, I was a, a heavy, a heavy kid and I couldn't fit into the little small desk. But this full grown man was able to. And now and in my mind, I kept thinking, how is it this full grown man can sit in this desk? But I can't. So I go to the restroom. I come back out as I'm facing the stairway. Now my room's to the right hand side. I look again and I never forget the man turning. He looked at me. And he, his eyes looked like if he was like heartbroken, just sad. He turns away from me. I go down the stairs. My mom's at the bottom of the stairs, and she's uh, the last person is leaving our our apartment. She's locking the door, and I said, "Mom, your friend's upstairs." She says, "What friend?" I said, "The man's in my room." So we're walking up the stairs, and mind you, the, the lights off in the stairway, right? So we're walking yeah. to the second floor. Yeah. Right when we reach the, we're reaching the the, the top of the uh, flight of stairs. The light turns back on in the stairway by itself. It turns back on. So when we get, when we reach the top of the stairway, we look to my room. There's nobody there. That was the first experience we had, uh, not knowing that we were going to have the experience with the paranormal due to the the Ouija board. Um, but sh- but every single day after that occurrence, it was always something different. It was never the same thing that occurred. And that just terrified my mom and I because, again, we, we knew nothing about the paranormal. Mm. And so, you know, we had no idea what was about to occur, you know, following that moment. But ain't it strange, you know, when you don't know anything about it? So that got you really interested in the paranormal. And you thought, you know, a bit, lo- a bit longer in the in years ago, you thought I'm going to have to do something and learn about this. Oh, definitely. And uh, one of the things that occurred at that time was, you know, we went to family and they laughed at us. You know, we went to friends. They shut us down. We went to the church and they said that, you know, all oh, we're crazy or maybe my mom was on my mom was on drugs. I mean, they gave us every excuse in the book on why they couldn't help us. So one of the biggest things, even now, when, when clients come to me, the biggest thing they ask for is validation. So at that time, when we were going through this, uh, we, you know, my, my mom and I were talking and she tells me, man, what are we going to do to get someone to believe that we're really experiencing this? And I was a kid. I had no idea what to tell her. So she's like, you know what? The next person who comes to our apartment, we're not going to tell them nothing on what's going on. We want them to come into our apartment without any knowledge of what's going on and for them to hopefully have an experience and they believe us. So, um, he, you know, I don't know if y'all have any out there where you guys are at, but here we have what's called Jehovah's Witness. And yes. so, yeah, okay, I know. So, yeah, so they, they, you know, here in the United States, when I don't know how it's over there, but whenever they come to your door knocking, no one wants to answer the door to them. So, you know, we're we're at the you know, we hear someone knocking the door very early in the morning. We open the door and it's Jehovah's Witness. So the, we, we invite the man, come in, come in, come in, come to our apartment. You know, my mom's making breakfast. She's she's making coffee and she's doing everything she can for them not to leave. So it's three elderly women, right? They're 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 Spanish women. They're sitting down and they start talking to my mom in Spanish, asking her questions. So at that moment, my mom had hung a, a curtain over the stairway because we kept seeing this little kid at the bottom of the steps. So as we're sitting there, I'm looking toward the stairway because I'm hoping to see this child, you know, up, you know, I guess appear there. Yeah. All of a sudden, I see two little hands pushing the curtain, and the curtains were semi-transparent, so you can kind of see through the, through the, the curtain, yeah. and you see two hands pushing the curtains. I didn't want to yell or scream and be like, look, look, and then it goes away. So luckily, one of the elderly women looked at me, and then she looked in the direction that I was looking at. And she sees the two little hands, and she asked my mom, uh, ma'am, why don't you invite your daughter to come sit down with us so we, you know, we can talk about Jehovah or whatever. And my mom says, I'm, I'm right now at this moment, I'm pregnant with a little girl, but I don't have a little girl yet. And she goes, what do you mean? So the, the, the elderly woman gets up, walks to the stairs. The moment she grabs that, that, that curtain, she moves it. The moment she moves it, boom, like instantly this thing vanishes. It's no longer there. She screams so loud that the two additional elderly women, the, the three of them get up. 
and they run out of our apartment. And at that exact moment, that was the validation that we were hoping to find that, thank God, you know, finally, you know, we know we're not crazy because it was someone other than ourselves who were ex- who, who had an experience. Mm. So that was just an amazing moment knowing that we, we definitely were not crazy. How long did that carry on for then? Honestly, that was from 1988 all the way to about maybe like maybe like 95, maybe. So it happened. Long, that is a long time to to cope with that. Did you? There's other things start to happen as well besides, um, you know, the little the little girl or little boy appear. Yes, and actually, one one of the one of the things that occurred that scared myself and my mom. Um, there was one evening we were we were getting ready for bed. We 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 uh, had taken a shower. We went to bed and we were asleep. About two in the morning. We hear someone, I mean, pounding at our front door downstairs. I mean, I mean, they're like, they're ready to kick the door down. So we go, we we, we go down the steps, and we're, my mom's like, "Who is it? Who is it?" And the police were there. They're like, "Open the door right now!" So my mom goes down the stairs, and I go with her. She opens the door, and there's two police officers with guns drawn. My mom's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And she's like, "They're like, we got a dispatch. We got a call from dispatch saying that there was two people here, man and a woman." Who are being held hostage, and they were they were on the phone with the dispatch, uh, yelling for help that they're gonna get killed. And my mom's looking at them like kind of like puzzled, like there's there's no we don't have we don't even have a, at that time there was no cell phones, and we didn't even have a house phone. So she says you may have the wrong house. She goes no, this is the this is the uh, address that we have for for the call. My mom says come inside, you can look through the whole house. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the apartment, and the the officers entered the apartment. They searched that whole apartment, top and bottom, and they could not find anybody there because we didn't have nobody there. Mm-hmm. And they just looked confused. They were like, no, you know, we got a call, two individuals screaming, screaming, screaming that they, that they were about to get killed. And again, we, we didn't know anybody who would prank us in that way. You know, everyone kept to themselves and neighbors. So the cops were confused. Like, look, we're sorry for, for, for you know, waking you guys up. We apologize for the inconvenience. You know, go ahead and go back to bed. And they left. And so shortly after that occurred, um, almost like a few weeks later, my mom and I, we were watching TV. And so and this is in the evening. Our neighbor, the one who, who initially asked my mom to, to host the birthday party, uh, uh, our apartment complex where we lived at, the building her, uh, our neighbor lived across the building from us. So whenever she would look for my mom, for some reason, she would never come to our door and ask for my mom. She'll go to the top window in her own apartment and yell to my, she'll yell my mom's name and my mom will come outside and talk to her. Yeah. So she, she yells my mom's name, Joanne. And so my mom goes up where we're, we're this is in the evening. My mom goes up to the second floor, goes to her window and says, what do you want? And she says, who's that lady looking through your bottom for a window? And, my mom says, what are you talking about? She goes, look, there's a woman there in the bushes looking into your window. So my mom goes, what are you, you, know, what are you talking about? So, you know, we have, there's a, um, uh, what is it called? Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In the, in the window, there's like the, the, the screens there. So you can't, you keep, you can't really look down all the way. So we oh, go yeah. down, yeah. So we go downstairs. My mom, my mom opens the door to go outside and there's a, a person wearing all black and the bushes looking through our window. My mom says, excuse me, can I help you? The, the person turns to look at my mom and didn't have no face. It was just a black, just darkness in the face. My mom got so scared. I mean, she yells out loud. The neighbor who had initially saw this, this thing in the window screams herself because, you know, she saw there was no face there. My mom goes into the apartment, locks the door. And I mean, she's crying, you know, hysterically. She's freaking out. And mind you, you know, this was an everyday occurrence. Well, the the last straw before we left, before we moved out of that apartment, my great grandfather was passing away. He was he was dying. He was uh, dying from, uh, I believe it was uh, cirrhosis of the liver. So Mm -hmm. at that time, my family was taking turns watching him before he passed away. Like he was already in like almost like in hospice where he was already in the moment of, you know, days of dying. So it was my mom's turn to go watch him. So my mom and I, we, we went across town to go stay at our family's home to watch him. And uh, 
they didn't take him to the hospital because he was already, you know, he was already going to die. So we had, we had a neighbor who would watch our apartment. We left her our house key and we said, listen, can you go check the apartment while we're gone? The neighbor says, okay, that's fine. So as we're there waiting at my, at our, one of our aunt's house, our, um, we're, we're just there watching TV. Um, we get a phone call and it's our neighbor. She says, Hey, you know, to my mom, she's like, Hey, Joanne, you know, did you already come home? You know, did you, did you come home at any time in the evening? My mom says, no, I've been here the whole time. Why? What's going on? She says, my husband and I went to go check on your apartment and we heard loud music and people talking like there was a party going on in your apartment, in your, in your apartment. My mom says, no, we have, we have not left yet. We, we've been here in, in my aunt's house. Hmm. She's like, well, there, there's a party going on there. And she goes, well, can you go check it out and, and see what's going on? You have the key to the apartment. I don't know what's going on. If you have to call the cops, call the cops. So our neighbor's husband, they both went to the apartment, and there's a party going on in our apartment. You can hear people talking. They can hear laughing. They can hear music blasting. He puts the key into the keyhole, into the door. When he turns the key and opens the door, the house is completely black. No lights, no party, no people. The apartment's empty. And he he's for, he, he gets so terrified because, again, when they walked up to the apartment, they can hear the, the music in our house, the lights were on. But the moment he put that key into the doorway and unlocked the door, the, the apartment was completely blacked out. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. It must be frightening for them as well. Oh, most definitely. And that happened on two occasions. And so that was the final straw uh, before my mom and I uh, decided to move out of that apartment complex. And we did. We, we ended up moving. So you moved and, and you found somewhere else to live. Did anything yeah. carry on at the, at the next address? Uh, yeah, actually, um, we, we ended up moving several times uh, because of any time we moved into a new house. Okay, give me this. Give me a second. Let me put over there. Uh, any, every time we moved into a new house, um, what was really interesting was, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the oldest of seven siblings. Um, as soon as my mom started having more kids, every time we moved into a new neighborhood, the kids in the neighborhood, when, when we would go introduce ourselves, they would always say, Hey, how how was it that you're able to live in that the scary house in the block, or the house where someone committed suicide, or the house where you know someone got killed? It was always that every time we moved somewhere new, or we would move to a place where no one told us anything, and then there was activity there. So I start me as me as a teenager, I started questioning: Is it bad luck? You know, are we? Is it just being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? Why are we of all the people in the whole world? Why are we, what, why, why us as a family, why are we being the ones targeted or plagued by this paranormal stuff? I and can so, understand that, you know, Mike, as well, you know, because it, it feels as though wherever you went, no matter if it had been a good house, everything, the activity started again. Exactly. And, and I question, I'm like, you know, is something following us? You know, are we just, you know, since, we, since we're, we've been exposed to the paranormal when we go to a new place, are things being attracted to us? I, I didn't have an answer to that, you know. And so I started doing research and I started reading books and I started, you know, talking to people, other people who have been, you know, I, I call them survivors of the paranormal. I started reaching out and there was there was no really an, there was not really an answer. I mean, it was it was almost like this thing just happens, whether whether it's by your choice or not, it just happens. And, uh, you know, it's something that ultimately you know, you know, lit a fire, again, lit a fire in my heart to want to one day be able to have my own team and kind of give back in, in my way that I can uh, assist people who are going through similar circumstances or even worse and know that they have somebody they can depend on. And that's myself and my team, you know. Oh, that I, I'm sure is that. But, but to, you know, using a Ouija board, sometimes if you don't close it off, activity will 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 find its way out and, and it'll, you know, it can cause a lot of damage. Oh, definitely. And we, we learned that. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's why we always tell people because, you know, yes, we investigate and, you know, and that's fun and it's nice. You know, we get to help people, but we're all about bringing awareness. You know, we let people know that, you know, we try, we try to tell them the do's and don'ts of, you know, hey, if, 
if you're going to try this, be responsible. You know, you got to be very mindful because if you play the Ouija board or you dabble in certain things, not only will you be affected, but all those around you, you got to be very careful. Yeah, and I think um, 60s and 70s, going back quite a few years ago, a lot of teenagers dabbled in it and it freaked them out a hell of a lot. I'm glad you brought that subject up about, you know, being responsible for what you do. People just don't realise. You just think it's a bit of fun, a bit of excitement. But trouble is, you know, some of them stuff what can come out of there can be very dangerous. Yeah, definitely. And and, and the thing is, people don't understand that, you know, there's a lot of people who, who do this for the thrill or for the rush or for the scare factor, but they don't realize the repercussions that are involved because ultimately, let's say let's say it doesn't affect them that exact moment, but let's say it happens over time. You know, it's, it's almost like when you get a sickness, you know, and that that's that you can spread. You know, it, it, when it finally hits you and it finally affects you, you start affecting everybody you come in contact with, whether it's it's uh, uh, you know other individuals or even animals. You know, it, it can it can affect all those who you encounter, and it's unfortunate because these individuals who had, you know, they they didn't ask for this problem. But you brought it to them because of your irresponsibility, you know. You got to be very careful. Um, I'm just going to tell you a bit of a story. Like um, uh, quite a few years ago, a friend of mine, uh, Derek Savory, had gone down, used to go down to Rendlesham Forest in England. Um, Very strange place. It's a bit like uh, Area 51, things that have happened there. and, And he was actually told not to go this this on a on a Saturday. He says a friend of his says, Do not go down by all me. Do not keep well away. And a friend of his turned up and went, Well I've never been down to Rendlesham. Take me down, Derek. So I took took this guy down, took him everywhere, showed him the places where things have happened. When they went back his his friend said, Look, Derek, I'm gonna have to shoot off I've got some family coming. When Derek got back in home, he, he hadn't been in home 30 minutes and he was sat down at his computer and next minute his face was banged on the desk, broke his nose and two attachments from outside there had got to him and I'm not joking, he finished in hospital. Wow. Because he got attachment when he shouldn't have gone and, he, and the one thing he never did when he went down there, protected himself. Yeah, definitely. Protection so is very, the motto is, is always protect yourself when you're doing investigations, whatever it can be, because if you don't, you get attachment. That's what happens. And it was through that when Derek finally, he um, won't go down to Renaissance ever again. And it took him six months to talk about it. And when he did, a good friend of, who told him not to go is a psychic medium. She came and got rid of the entities. And she said there were two of them, what you brought back from the forest. And and what did I say to you? Do not go. Anyway, since then, he's learned to be a psychic medium. And um, he said, you know, I want to tell everybody out there what a fool I was not taking any notice and, and you know, imagine going to hospital and say what happened. She can't just say, you know, two entities have got to lock you up. Yeah, they'll, they'll send you to a, a, a home where they think you're crazy. Yeah, you got to be careful. Exactly, you know, so it's one of those things in life where always protect yourself at all means. You know, so, you know, so what happened after all this then? You so know, what- Tell the story. So yeah, so after all these occurrences, you know, my uh, there was a moment where, uh, like I said, my one of my, oh my sister, she's my co-founder of my team, uh, Jeanette. There was a moment. There was moments where we, you know, we would talk as as teenagers, leading to being adults. And I, I told her, I was like, listen, you know, there's there was many times where, you know, nobody wanted to help us, and you know, we we, we experienced so many things. I mean, it's not even funny. We we went through so many things. Um, and I said, you know, we we definitely need to figure out how we can make a difference, right? And so, you know, we, we had the idea that, you know, of course, one day that we would, uh, you know, build our own team. 
And so when that time came, my sister, you know, I love her to death, but she was into the party stage because she was she was she was very young. You know, mm-hmm. she went to go have a good time. And me, I say, you know what? While she's doing that, I need I want to build my team from the ground up. And when when the time when the time comes and she comes, she's ready to you know be serious about this. I'll have the foundation built for her, you know. And so leading up to that moment, you know, there was there was so many moments where, you know, I you know we were terrified. You know, we we there was one moment, there was one story, one one experience I have uh, that it blew my mind. I mean, I, I was terrified. Uh, we were living in this one home that we moved into, and it was uh, it was a pretty rough part of town, and. While we're in this house, the neighborhood we moved into was notorious for gangs and, you know, murders and drugs. It was really bad. Um, and when we moved into that neighborhood, it was at the tail end of, the you know, finding the cops had cracked down and stopped all of it. So, we you know, we got there at the tail end of it. So we moved into the, the, the house. Uh, we were renting it. No one told us what was going on in the house. You know, the kids would kind of mention, you know, they would say little things here and there, but they never really got into detail what was going on in my house and the house we were renting. There was one evening, I'm in my room. My one of my younger brothers, he had this habit that he would creep up on you and he would like, you know, be real quiet and he, you know, you wouldn't see him coming and he would just jump out of nowhere and scare you. So I'm in my room, I'm laying down looking up at the ceiling. On my, on my right peripheral of my vision, I see someone crawling into my room. And I'm like, okay, my brother's coming in. He's, he's going to try to scare me. So as I'm laying there on my back on my bed, I'm looking at the scene. I can see him getting closer and closer, crawling into my room. The moment he gets close to my, my bed, I tell myself, I'm, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to scare him. I'm going to trick him. So I, I am laying there, and the closer he gets, I start, I start counting one, two, Three and I jump up and I scream as loud as I can to scare him. All of a sudden, I see a boy in my room who I have never seen in my life. He's standing there in front of me. I mean, and he has this look of sheer terror. The thing is, though, when I look down, he had he had no feet. Imagine where the ankles are at going oh, down. Yeah. There, there's nothing there. This boy, he, it, it looks like he's yelling, but there's no sound. And he runs straight to the wall, and he's gone. The moment I saw this, I yelled. I mean, at the top, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I, I yelled at the top of my lungs. I ran out of my room, ran to my mom. She was washing dishes, and I'm like, and I'm screaming. You know, I'm I'm just all over the place. She's like, calm down. What you know? What happened? I'm trying to explain to her, but I'm just so filled with emotions. And so, yeah, I finally calmed down. And I explained to her what I saw, and she says. You know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, maybe it just wanted it wanted to see who you are, who you were, and I didn't want to go back into my room. And so it got to a point where I started telling my friends in the neighborhood about this. So one evening, uh, one of our one of our neighbors, he was an older gentleman, he had a camcorder, right? And he says, "Hey, you know, how about this, Mike? How about I let you use my camcorder? And what if you try documenting this stuff?" And this is like almost like the lead to me becoming a paranormal investigator. So, so he gives me the camcorder. He goes, here, use it. It's charged. When you're ready, just hit record. So I were, you know, at that moment, my friends are like, oh, we want to be there to see this. You know, we want to go into your house. So we're, we're watching TV. We're waiting to about, about midnight and it's about maybe 12, uh, 1130 at night. We're all watching scary movies, waiting for the time to come so we can, we can do our own little mini investigation. Well, when the time comes, all my friends are asleep. They all fall asleep. They didn't want to wake up. <laughs> they all fall asleep. And I'm by myself. And I'm like, you know what? You know, I, I want to do this. You know, because it was more so wanting that validation again, knowing that I'm not yeah, crazy. Yeah. You know, wanting to document this. So I say, you know what? Just because they're asleep, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through with this. So I, I get the camera. It's fully charged. They're all asleep watching. You know, they're, they're laying in the living room. I go throughout my house sweeping each room with the camera, asking questions, trying to see if anything would show itself to me. Well, it comes to a point where nothing's happening. I, I go to the restroom, and I use the restroom. I come back out with the camera, and my brother, he's watching the Exorcist movie. As he's watching the movie, I say, hey, Joey, look look at the camera. He turns it, he turns and looks at me, and he makes a real, a real funny face. 
when when I turn away from him, there's a there's a there's a head floating right in front of my brother, looking right at his face, like a distant. Just just imagine like a head with no body mm. floating there, looking at my brother. I see this and I yell so loud. I'm like, oh my god! I caught it on camera. My brother, he's like, what are you talking about? I wake everybody up. We I hit rewind and it was one of, it was one of those uh, camcorders that had the um, what is it called? Just like the those small the, the 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 mini tapes that you put into the camera. Oh yes, the mini tapes, yeah. Yeah, and so I hit rewind on it. You know, I I I hit play, and you see me walking up to my brother and I say, hey Joey, look at the camera. You know, say hi. And you see when he makes that funny face, the moment he makes that funny face, and, I, and you see me kind of like pan away from him, you see the face floating there, and I hit pause, and it had like this this blue a blue tint to it, and everybody screamed, oh my god, I can't believe you caught this. And that was my first time actually documenting what I had been experiencing on camera. And, and, you, and the, you know, Mike, I bet you felt great at that time thinking, Right, this is interesting, this. Don't miss The Beacon with Jennifer Falaw, the show that shines a light through the dark, educates and empowers those searching for hope. Learn about the levels of heaven, how to positively create, and to meditate to build a stronger connection to the divine. Join Jennifer as she shares information acquired through communication with archangels, interdimensional meditation, and years of psychic experience and research. Tune in each Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for this empowering show, only on beaconoflightradio.com. Emotions can take us on flights we may not fully recognize, but these paths can allow us to find our true spiritual authenticity. Embrace Lifting Layers with host Elisa Lee, who will discuss the value of evaluating inner retrospects to enhance your overall well-being. Spoken from the heart every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on beaconoflightradio.com. Now then, Mike, I just want you to continue with your story where we left off uh, a minute ago. Okay, so, so you know, we uh, the, the gentleman had asked if you could take a, a photo of whatever was in the hallway. And so when I asked if you can bang once in the wall for yes or twice for no, before I could finish banging on the wall twice to kind of give examples to, to let them know how to do it, you hear two loud bangs on the wall right in front of me. That, 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 when that happened, it, it, it scared me. I was like, wait a second. Like, you know, you never get these kind of, you know, responses that fast. Mm. And so I backed up and I said, okay, you know, we're not going to take, we're not going to take photos of you. All of a sudden the guy, uh, who took, who, who wanted to take a picture, he says, you know what? And, you know, he starts saying some profanity. He's like, I don't give a F, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go take a picture and I don't care if it don't want me to. I said, you can't do that, man. And he, he opens the door, walks into the hallway, and starts flashing like these burst shots of whatever's there. He's taking multiple multiple photos. And you can hear the footsteps walking away from us. I, I, I pulled the guy into the room. I said, listen, you cannot be doing this. You cannot be disrespectful because if this thing wants to attack us, we, we can't stop it. I say, you know, you can't challenge this thing on a physical aspect. It's a spiritual one. You got to be very respectful because we can't see who it is or what it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like, I don't care. You know, we're going to we're going we're gonna to document this. I'm like, you know, I say, like, if you're going to be this way, then you can, you can just go home. And he says, I apologize. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I apologize to whatever this thing was. I said, if you can please come back, I would appreciate it. You know, we're just very excited. But then a moment later. A moment later, we hear the same footsteps coming back towards us. And it, and it sounded almost like heavy boots. 
the 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 thing that was really interesting was when it was walking back towards us, something occurred. We we hear the sound of something dragging against the wall, like almost like a hand. It wasn't like scratching or anything. It was just like a, a, a something rough was rubbing <laughs> against the wall as the steps were getting closer to us. And what ended up happening was the door was closed. The the closer the steps got, the door handle from the room would, would rattle. So you would hear boom, boom, and then the, the door would the handle would rattle by itself. Like it, it was almost like out of a scary movie, right? And so we're we're, we're looking at the door, and this thing stops right in front of the door again. And I said, you know, I want to apologize once again. I apologize for you know he you know for his disrespectfulness. I said, you know, my mom really wants to know who you are and why you're here. You know, can you tell me your name? And we're ask, and I started asking several questions throughout the night. And it's about two in the morning, and I stopped the investigation. I said, you know what, we're gonna be back another day. Thank you for your time. If you can respectfully stay on your side of the house, and my mom will stay on her side of the house. She's not gonna bother you. Please don't bother her. So. I, we walk out of the room. We break down the the, the the handheld cameras, and I tell my mom, you know, we're going to go in and go. I'm going to review this footage and, and the audio and see what, what we find. I said, but in the meantime, you know, just pray, you know, just do the normal things you normally would do to protect yourself. And so I go home that same night, and one of my investigators decided to stay there with me, and he's reviewing the footage and the audio and what, one thing that really blew our mind, I mean, there were several things, but one of the one of the things that occurred was at that moment that we heard the first time the loud footsteps coming uh, coming towards us. Something was documented on camera. The room, the, the the room directly across from us, you see the door handle turn by itself and open up. The door opens, and you, and you're not gonna believe what came out of that door. Um, a cat came out of that door and walked into the hallway. Not sure why a cat came out of that room, but when we when we did the sweep of the whole house, there yeah. was there was no animals in that house. There was no cats, no dogs. You know, there was no pets. There was nothing. A lot of those rooms were completely empty rooms. No beds, no furniture. And that room specifically had no furniture. No windows were open. There was no closets. I mean, there's no way. That a yeah. cat can come out of that room, but that door opened by itself, and a cat walked out. And the steps we were hearing, every time we heard a footstep, it was a cat that was making the steps. But for the the thing is, cats when they're walking, they're they're so light when they walk, you can't really hear the steps. But yes, yes this I... cat came out of the room. It made the loudest footsteps, almost like the sounding of a person walking, like a full grown person. So. And, you know, as you're looking through it, what could you see anything else in the video? Say that one more time. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Um, you know, when you're reviewing the video, did you find anything else on it? So he, here's here here's uh, another thing that happened. Okay, um, so there was a moment after reviewing the footage, um, nothing else occurred as far as you know being. We we didn't see anything else on camera. So my investigator, he was reviewing the, the, the recorder, the audio from our EVP sessions, and something really, really interesting came through. There was a moment where we were asking just some random questions, right? And you hear a, a, a man's voice come through, and you hear the response, right? You hear this, this, this man say, it's evil, but like in a whisper, it's evil, and so when we, when we hear the man say this six different times, a minute apart from each other, you would hear um, the same man say, evil, a minute will go by evil, a minute will go by evil six different times. And that just, that blew our mind. I mean, I guess whatever was there was like, hey man, whatever's here is evil. But I mean, no one ever got harmed in the house. Um, so at that time, I didn't. I didn't have a cleanser at that time. I didn't have anybody who would cleanse for me. So I reached out. I reached out to a local cleanser in town, and I said, "Hey, man, you know, would you mind doing me the favor of cleansing my mom's house?" Um, you know, and, and he says, "Yeah, I'll be there next week." My mom was so terrified 
of what she was experiencing. And mind you, you know, we, we went through all these years of experiencing stuff. But this house, I guess for her, was the ultimate, you know, scare factor. And, you know, she couldn't do it no more. So before the gentleman could come in and cleanse the house, my mom moved out from there and she left. Right. So so did, you didn't get a chance to go back again? I, to this day, no. I, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to go back. Um, I, just, just the other night, I passed in front of that house. So I wanted to see if somebody lived there. Well, there was a moment where um, my sister, actually, my co-founder, she went to that same house to see if she would speak to whoever the curtain resident was to see if we can get back in to investigate. When she walked into that house, there was a man laying down on the porch asleep. She had no idea why he was laying there. She, When she said, excuse me, the man woke up, I mean, really terrified, really scared. And he had a gun in his hand. She she backs up. She and her husband back up like they're, you know, they have their hands up like, hey, you know, we don't want no trouble. She's like, we came by because we want to speak to whoever the, the, the renter is and see if we can investigate in here. And he says, what do you mean investigate? She says, we do paranormal investigating. We do ghost hunting. And he says, he was, he was like, whatever's in there is evil. He's like, I'm not going to go in there at nighttime. And so apparently this gentleman, this man who was asleep on the floor, he lived there. And I guess he, too, was experiencing the stuff. So he was so terrified to go in there at night. He would forcefully sleep outside so he, 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 so he can avoid having to experience what was in there. And he would only return into that house during the daytime hours, which was really interesting. That is so, you know, when your mom moved um, to a new apartment, wherever it was, did anything else happen? Well, once she moved, for that time being, nothing happened on her end. Um, but like I said, you know, that was one of the, the tipping points for her. And she just was beyond terrified. And, you know, anywhere she moved, she was like, I, I you know, she would find somebody to cleanse the place before she would even move in. That way she can avoid having any kind of experiences. So since then, you've got your own team together now, a good team together. Correct. Everybody looks after each other. Uh, yeah. You do your proper investigation. Correct. So um, have you had, had any real good experience since then with your investigations? Yes, actually. <clears throat> so there, there's a there's a current case we're working on now. Um, we've been I've been working on this case personally since I want to say 2016 till now. Currently, um, that's a long time. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's been one of those cases that's been kind of on and off, right? And so originally, my client, her name is Sandy. She has uh, some very uh, uh, some vintage dolls that she that she collects. She um, is in the business of selling, uh, at the time, she would sell uh, vintage items. So whether it was uh, vintage furniture, you know, whether it was anything vintage, she would sell it. Well, she came, she came into this, uh, this what I call a lot, right? Like it's like a, a, a big, um, I guess, a, a, a lot of dolls that she got. And they were very old vintage dolls. Well, a lot of them she was able to sell. And then it came to a point where there were certain ones that she would sell to people and the same customers who bought them <clears throat> will come back to her and say, listen, I'm not sure I'm not sure what's wrong with this doll, but it's making sounds and, and it's doing things it's not supposed to. I want I want I want you, you don't have to give me my money back. Oh give me God. give me some of my money back and you can keep the doll. So she tried signing a few times and it got to the point where people kept bringing those specific dolls back. And so it got to a point where she's just stopped selling the dolls. She's like, you know, what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to attempt to sell them anymore. I'm just going to keep them. <clears throat> well, she, there, there came a point where she ordered a doll from the UK, right? She ordered a doll. Apparently there was, there was a from the UK who was about, I think she was like 98 years. She had a doll that was over a hundred years old and the doll, her name is Sally. Um, apparently this woman from the UK she came from a line of mediums, you know, down the generations of her family. Yeah. And so she ended up passing away. 
and one of her family members got her doll, which is Sally, and, and put it on eBay to be sold. Well, my client purchased that doll, Sally, and she got that doll, brought it here to the States, and now she has it. When I when I when I initially saw that she was replying to somebody who was selling some dolls, I said, "Ma'am, you know, do you have dolls yourself?" And that's when you showed me. She told me about her vintage dolls and about how they have attachments. And she's like, "She's like, here's the thing. She's like, whatever's attached to my dolls, I don't want it to leave. All I want is for somebody to come in and document and validate the experiences." And I say, "You and I say you don't want the. I go, you don't want them to be cleansed and." For the, for, for the attachments to be removed. And she was like, no, I don't. All I want is for, for someone to come investigate. That's it. So we agreed to go investigate and, and, and uh, document the, the experiences she was having. <clears throat> At that time, again, I didn't have a cleanser. Now I have a cleanser now, but at the time I didn't have a cleanser. So we go and we went to her home. We did the walkthrough. She has just a variety of, of different dolls from different time periods. She how, has, how did she go about well, currently, man, I mean, she has over, I mean, I want to say probably maybe over 60 dolls. I mean, she has a lot of dolls, a lot of haunts, a lot of dolls have attachments. Um, but at that time, she was showing me her her collection of dolls. You know, they all come from different time periods. And one of them that I had one of my, my most experiences with is Peace. So Peace, she's a doll that this, it, it has a... Uh, Part of her body, part of her porcelain, right? And so, when I held peace for the first time, one of my rules that I have, right, with my team, is we never, if there's ever a, a time where there's an item in question, they may have an attachment. I never allow my team to put skin to item contact. I never just try to grab something with your bare hands. Wear some sort of gloves. Wear some sort of protection. That way, you don't get that attachment yeah. to yourself. Well, at that time, I, I I don't know why I ignored that rule and I just picked up the doll. When I picked up the doll, I was holding her in my hands. Something really interesting occurred. When my client, Sandy, was in front of us, the doll seemed really, really heavy. It was like I was carrying a toddler. I mean, that doll was really heavy. The moment my, my client walked away from us to go to the next room, the doll was light as a feather. I mean, this thing became super, super light. And I had never experienced anything like that. And and that just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, how how is it the doll was super heavy right now? And the moment my client leaves, the doll is, is instantly light. You know, like the way a doll should be, you know. And, and at that moment, we're trying to document, you know, my, that personal experience I'm having. All of a sudden... I start, all of us, my team members who are there, we all start sweating really heavily. I'm sweating. And in my mind, this is like in December. So it was it was kind of cold. Um, yeah. And so yeah. but we're sweating like if we, were, we, if we were in a sauna or we were somewhere where it was really hot. And and Sandy, our, our client, she was not sweating. She was normal. She was perfectly fine. And so at that time, um, her ex-boyfriend, you know, he shows up kind of late. He sees we're there, and he's questioning why are we there. And she's telling him, hey, they're here to investigate the dolls. He starts hyperventilating. He's freaking out. And I ask him, are you okay, man? Take, you know, catch your breath, relax. He's, and he had never told his story or what he experienced to anybody. So we were the first people to kind of, you know, ask him, you know, interview him and ask him what he's experienced himself. Well, he started telling me his experiences. And I said, well, you know, what are you hoping that we can achieve by conducting this investigation what are you hoping we can do and he says you know i want you to find out why these dolls are targeting me why do they hate me not the dolls themselves but the attachments so we agreed to come back a different day for the investigation right as we were walking out the door from our client's home she lived on the second floor of this apartment it was a house but it was broken into apartment you know and so we're walking down from the stairs, and before we got in the car, I told my team, you know what? Something's telling me not to leave right now. Just just, just wait about five more minutes, and then we'll leave. They didn't question it. They're like, okay, let's just wait. So we stood outside of our client's house just staying there and, uh, near the street. All of a sudden, 
the ex-boyfriend of my client comes walking down the stairs and he sees us. And I said, and he goes, hey, you're still here. And I go, yeah. I go, can I ask you a question? He says, yes. I said, if, if, I go, if, if these dolls truly have an attachment and they're causing all the fighting, they're causing, you know, for you to have a bad relationship, they're the reason why everything negative, everything negative is occurring. Are you willing to part ways with these dolls? Would you allow us to, to bind these dolls and remove them and place them somewhere else? And he says, yes. He's like, I'm, I'm open to that. Well, shortly after I asked him that question, Sandy, my client, comes walking downstairs. Hey, you're still here? I'm like, yes. I said, hey, Sandy, I go, let me ask you a question. I said, and I asked you the same thing. If it comes back that the dolls are the reason why you guys are experiencing everything, and, and they're the reason why, you know, the relationship's not working, if it's the reason behind everything, would you be willing to part ways with the dolls? And she looked at me with the, with the, with the just as angry as a person can be. She says, "No one, nobody is taking my dolls. Nobody is taking my dolls from me." And I just said, "Okay." I left it alone. Right when we were going to depart from that location, I look up on the second floor of the balcony, right? And imagine looking up at the house, and there's there's a a balcony area, but there's windows there. Yeah. I I see somebody looking down from the balcony at me, I, and and imagine it's just seeing like a black silhouette of of a person. And I could see the head kind of like moving back and forth side to side, like trying to see who we were. And mind you, when I was there doing the interview, she had kids there, but they were in their room. And, I'm, and I and I said, hey, who's that look? Who's I go, who's there on the balcony? And she says, what do you mean? I said, there's someone on the balcony looking at me. She says, there's nobody. She says, there's nobody there. I, I, I get my laser grid out, right? And when you, on, on, the, on the black laser grid that I have, if you remove the head from it, It'll make just one long, like a laser pointer. I point at the window and I said, "Look, there's someone right there looking at me." As as the laser grid is pointing towards the window, you can see a feature of a, of, a, of like a female, a female. Like I don't know if it's a little girl or somebody in that window. We run to the, the stairs. We go upstairs, and you're not gonna believe what's at the window. One of her dolls was at the window looking down at us. Oh my god! And I said, "How'd that get there?" And she says, she's like, when I was walking toward the stairs, she's like, my doll in my mind told me, put me at the window. But here's the thing. I don't know what, what she truly heard or if she heard it or not. She put the doll at the window without us having knowledge of it. But the thing is, I saw the silhouette of somebody standing at that window, but moving their head side to side. Like they're, like they're kind of like looking at us and then backing away kind of thing, you know? And so... You know, that intrigued me. I was like, you know what? We're, we're definitely going to investigate this, you know? We'll be back another day, and we'll do the investigation. So we waited a week or two, and we finally came back to the to the location. We, we, we set up all of our equipment. We prayed. And then we went to the house to, to conduct the investigation. Something occurred. Something happened to me that has never happened in all the years of me investigating the paranormal or even just experiencing it as a kid. This has never happened to me. I'm in the living room of, of the client's house and I'm asking several questions, you know, because the, the ex-boyfriend was like, hey, can you ask these questions for me? So I'm pushing and I'm asking questions. Why do you hate Why do you hate the ex-boyfriend? You know, what is it about him that you do not like? And I'm asking all these, you know, questions. Well, one of the ladies says, hey, Mike, uh, there's, something, there's something moving in the kitchen. Can you get up to go look? So I get up from the sofa, and the moment I'm getting up from the sofa, on my right knee, I feel this gooey substance, almost like um, just something really sticky. So this is all live on Facebook on our page. This is all live. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I put the, the light towards my knee to see what's on my knee. And, and to my amazement, there's three gashes in my knee. Three deep gashes. Like someone came and just scratched me the hell out of me. Two two of the scratches were white, right, where the skin peeled. And oh the God. very the very the highest one, the top one, it was completely drenched in blood. And and here's the thing. If I would have never gone off that sofa at that moment, and let's say I would have just got up and went home, I would have never known that that blood or that scratch was on my knee. I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel pain. I didn't feel burning, discomfort. I didn't feel nothing. 
It was like if it never occurred. And here's the thing. When it occurred, I'm live on Facebook, and the first thing I do is I show my hands to the camera. I'm like, look, I want you guys to see my hands. I said, I have a bad habit of biting my nails. I said, and my nails were, I mean, I, I chewed through them past the line, you know, where it's, it's bad for you. But I, I showed my nails. I'm like, yeah, look, yeah. this is not self-inflicted. Unless my skin's that sharp or it's going to cause that. But that's not, no, it's not It's not going to happen like that. I said, but I didn't do it to myself. And I and we have a first aid kit that we're using at the time. And I clean, we cleaned off the, the wound. And you and I have a picture of this. I can show you later. Um, you see the long gash in my knee where something just came and just, I mean, it tore up my knee. It scratched the hell out of me. Three scratches. And that just, that blew my mind because I have never in the history of investigating had I ever been in harm in that process. That's, 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 that's scary, isn't it? Oh, well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. When that happened, it, it didn't scare me as far as like, oh, my God, let me let me get out of here. It was more so, why did it attack me? Was mm-hmm. it because I asked, you know, sensitive questions? Was it annoyed because I was questioning it? You know, when that happened to me, I kind of went to this mode like, you know, well, maybe I asked it something that just pissed it off, you know, or, or, or got it angry. But, yeah, you yeah. know, when, when we investigate – you never, you know, you can ask a hundred questions and maybe get only one answered, you know. So you, you gotta, you gotta ask questions that sometimes you don't want to ask. And so I feel that maybe whatever was there just it, it got ticked off and it didn't want me asking questions for the about the boyfriend and it just reacted and I'm the who I'm the one who got the the you know the abuse versus the boyfriend having to you know, but. That's what happened at that at that investigation at that moment. But there's so that, many more. That's actually a fantastic um, a case you've been involved with. We've just about run out of time, unfortunately. Where, um, well, I'll, I'll have to get you back on again um, okay. because I'm sure by then, you know, maybe a month down the line or six weeks down the line, you, there might be a more story. Oh man, I have plenty of stories, man. And real quick, if you don't mind, I just want—I mean, I know my team wasn't here to to experience this because I mean they were like, "Oh, we want to be there too," but yeah, uh, I can't—I can't—I can't wait for you guys to meet my team. I mean, they're, they're just the most amazing people. They have some amazing gifts, and actually tonight we're going to be investigating here in town, and actually tomorrow as well we'll be live on Facebook. And uh, just real quick, um, I want to just give a, a quick special shout out to a special person here in town. Her name is uh, Kat. She herself invited me to well, her show last night called planet cat and this woman let me tell you something man she is a survivor of being uh, of human trafficking she was uh she got kidnapped or uh or taken from romania brought to the u.s and uh the family who brought her they you know they were very evil people and she survived that and and last night she invited us to her show and she was able to help promote and get the word about our paranormal team and She's just a really amazing person. I mean, I would love for you guys to meet her one day. She's amazing. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, just get just pass me a name, and I will get in touch with her, and she can tell her story on my show. Definitely. Um, right, just before you go, where can people find you if they need your services? Oh, definitely. Um, and just so everybody knows, we we are free of charge. We do not charge any money uh, for our services. We're we're a nonprofit organization. So if you want to find us, go to Facebook. And you could type in Midnight Paranormal Society, or you can type in www.facebook.com forward slash paranormal MPS. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely wonderful, Mike. You know, your stories are absolutely marvelous. You know, the stuff you've gone through growing up, um, you know, and your mom and um, to your mom and, and to yourself. You know, you're a credit, and it's a, a, I'm glad you've got your own team together now. Definitely. And you'll go from strength to strength to strength. Definitely. Well, see, I can, you know, I can just say thank you so much. My guest next Wednesday is Michelle White Dove. Michelle won a competition many years ago as the best psychic medium in the in the States. Um, it was a reality show where they employed, I, don't, I think there were about 10 mediums, and they all had different things to, to do. And every time as things went on, everybody got whittled down, 
and eventually Michelle won it. I think she won hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! And that's many years ago. Um, she's still doing her work now. She's still a, a very, very good psychic medium. She's on next Wednesday. So next Wednesday will be, just quickly, the 11th of March at 3 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Pacific, and 8 p.m. in the UK. Well, thank you so much, Mike, and to all your, your team. And, and I will be in touch again to get to get you back on the show and carry on where you left off. Definitely. I look forward to it. And thank you to Susan being the producer of the show. Uh, good night, everyone, and have a lovely weekend. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.